pull out your message notes. I'm excited today. I'm going to share a message called, uh, I, I thought about the title. What, what a great title. When God Doesn't Make Sense. Uh, have you ever had a moment where God has asked you to do something and it doesn't make sense? Uh, maybe you, you're like, God, are you sure that's you? And you realize it wasn't the pizza you ate or the, the gas in your stomach or, you know, you're like, God, that's surely that's you because it lines up with your word, but I don't really understand why you're asking me to do that. So it just doesn't make sense. And we're going to pull our passage this morning from Genesis 22, 1 through 18. Uh, this is the story of Abraham. Uh, he has a situation where God speaks to him, and it doesn't make sense. Uh, and, and we talked about Abraham four weeks ago uh, when we kicked off the campaign or this this whole series. Uh, and when we talked about him uh, back then, a lot has happened from Genesis 11 to Genesis 22. Uh, now what we see is Abraham's in Beersheba. He is. Uh, in the southwest coastal region of Canaan, uh, which is about 45 miles southwest of Jerusalem. Uh, he has his wife now, Sarah, and she has given birth to his son, Isaac. Uh, Isaac is the miracle baby. He's the one that God said, your wife will give birth to a son. Uh, Sarah actually laughed, and the reason she laughed is because Sarah was 90 years young. I, can you imagine yeah, she laughed. I had to, come on. My ladies right here, all my Dell Webs and my, they're like, I got a whole posse, you know, that they love me. That's my ladies. They, uh, and then I got my, my, yeah, can you imagine 90? She's laughing. Uh, Abraham was 100, all my fellas. Well, I think imagine 100. You'd be putting with some pep in your step, you know. You'd be like, yeah, I did that, baby, you know. So, so Isaac has been born. Life is good, and, and we find ourselves in this moment. Uh, Isaac is not a child, though. And when we read this story, it's interesting because you read the story, and the interaction between Abraham and Isaac would cause you to think that he's a little boy. But theologians and historians actually say he's in his mid-20s. He could be as old as 30. And so you have this young man. He's a young man. And Abraham is his father, and I want you to see God shows up in his life in this moment. Like, like Abraham's wealthy, the promise has come, he's like, wow, this is great, I'm excited, and then God just randomly shows up, and look at what happens. Now, I don't typically read 18 verses of scripture on a Sunday, but I'm going to do that today, so just track with me. Because I think it's really important for us to get this to get in us. It says, look, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. So Abraham calls and Abraham responds. So Abraham, or God speaks and Abraham responds. I want you to know God speaks to you. He's a God who speaks. And so it's, it's our responsibility. Look, he says, yes, God, I'm here. And he says, take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac whom you love so much. Isn't it interesting how God will tell you how much you love something? He's like, I know you love it. You love him so much. Go to the land of Moriah. Go sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the mountains, which I will show you. So in other words, back then, sacrifice was something that most pagans would do. They would sacrifice their kids to their gods, Moloch and other gods. And here you have God telling Abraham something that seems against the very nature of God. I mean, no, that's, that's, God, you ain't making sense. 
Like, okay, you're asking me to, but we don't see Abraham argue. We just see him say, okay. In verse 3, it says, next morning, Abraham gets up early, saddles his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac, then chopped wood for a fire and a burnt offering, set out for the place that God told him about on the third day of the journey. So this is also a picture of, of, of Christ as well. But anyway, we, we don't have time to talk about that. Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So he said, we're going to go worship right over there where God spoke to us. We're going to come back. Abraham placed the wood for burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. Uh, as the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son. And this is the interaction where you would think it's a little boy, but really he's a very humble, submitted son with a very grateful and loving father. Uh, and Abraham replies, we have the fire, we have the wood. All right, yeah, uh, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God's going to provide the sheep for the burnt offering, my son. So he's speaking in faith what he already believes. So you can see by the words of his mouth what is actually in his heart. And I bet in your life we could see what's in your heart based on what you're saying in the middle of what God has asked you that doesn't make sense. And so he's, he's saying, he's declaring, look, God's going to provide what it is that we need in this moment. Um, and so we, they arrived to the place where God has... Yep, he said they both walked together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar, arranged the wood on it. He tied his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son and sacrifice him. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replies. I mean, can you imagine? He's literally got the knife up about to kill his son on the altar, and uh, the, God stops him right there in the middle of it. And Abraham replies again, here I am. He said, don't lay a hand on the boy. The angel said, don't hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God, that you've not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up, saw the ram caught up in, in the, by its horns in the thicket. So he took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named that place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use the name uh, as a proverb on the mountain, the Lord, it will be provided. Jehovah Jireh is really the name of God in that moment that's been spoken. Uh, and so it says, the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because, everybody say because. So here is the, the blessing. Blessings always predicated on obedience. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name. He swears by his name because there's nothing greater than himself. Uh, he says that I will certainly bless you. Everybody say bless. I will multiply. Everybody say multiply. Your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand in the seashore, your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have, everybody say that last word, obeyed me. All because you have obeyed me. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the word that you put in my heart. God, let me articulate it with clarity and power uh, so that we receive what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, first thing we see is that God speaks to Abraham with clarity about what he wants Abraham to do. Um, now, we see the story. It may not be what Abraham wanted, but it was still God's will nonetheless. It wasn't what Abraham wanted to hear. Can you imagine his son is now 30? Think, think about uh, this, this moment 
God gives these instructions and says, look, I want you to take that which you love, and, and I'm going to ask you to go and to sacrifice or give him back to me. And I think what we need to know is that God speaks in our life with clarity. We don't serve a God of vague impressions. Like, I think God might have said, he could have said, like, I, maybe, possibly. No, no, he's very clear in what he speaks to us. The thing that we get confused on is we don't understand. So because we don't understand, we try to rationalize, we try to maneuver the word that he speaks to our heart. But listen, God speaks to each and every one of us with great clarity. Look in verse 1, it says, and they went to the, he said, go to the land of Moriah. Go sacrifice Isaac as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. That's not a vague impression. That's very clear in his instructions. It's very clear with what God wanted him to do. Go to this place, and then look, I'll give you more instructions after you've done what the first thing is I told you to do. So he doesn't tell him the whole plan. He gives him a step. And I think the challenge with most people in my, I know for me personally, and even with this whole moving forward, I, I love it because we, I get to be a picture of faith for you. If you've been here since the beginning of December, remember I stood up and I said, I'm taking a risk. We don't even have the contract, but I'm telling you, I believe the Lord has given us that building. And then what happened? Two weeks later, we got the contract. I felt like the Lord spoke to me. And I modeled that publicly because every one of us will have moments where God speaks to us and it doesn't make sense. You could look like a fool. You may lose everything. And yet God still says, I want you to go. Here's your step. And so that's his step. And, and what's interesting is that God doesn't give him the next step until he fulfilled the very first step. It's not the whole plan. It's, it's step by step. And part of the reason is because if you had the plan, you'd try to work it out your own way. God wants you to stay dependent on him. Rely on him. And think about this. If he's giving me a step, that means, man, God, I got to be listening for more instructions. I got to stay in prayer. I got to stay in worship. I got to stay in my Bible. Why? Because I'm desperate to fulfill the plan that he has for my life. And I think sometimes some of you haven't heard from God because you haven't done the last thing God spoke to you. Like, God, I just want you, will you show me this? And God's like, yeah, yeah, why would I show you that when you haven't treasured the very thing that I've already given to you? I mean, some of you are asking, God, should I marry my boyfriend? Should I marry my girlfriend? But you didn't do what God said at the very beginning. He said, don't even date them. You're like, oh, God, help me. I'm confused. It's like confusion came because you didn't do what God said. I remember when before Phyllis, well, Phyllis and I have an interesting story. There's a, there's a Phyllis, there's a middle, and then there's a Phyllis again. Uh, she was the first girl I fell in love with when we were 15 and 16. I mean, I had other little, little girls, but Phyllis was, the, Phyllis was, my, was my girl. I really, I really love Phyllis, and we broke up, and we stayed, we stayed really good friends. In fact, she would call me on my birthday. We'd try to call each other first, even though we were dating other people. And just before we got married, I was in a pretty serious relationship. She was engaged to a guy to be married, and we knew that clearly wasn't God. I mean, <laughs> sinner. <laughs> clearly. I didn't go that far. My God. You know, you heathen. <laughs> But there was a girl, hey, that's all right, she's preaching next weekend, so I'm sure she's going to say some things about me. Come back next weekend, you'll hear the real preacher. 
they, uh, you probably hear some stories about me too. Um, but anyway, it, I started dating this girl, this girl, Natalie, and my mom loved Natalie, you know, because she was going to be a psychologist and all this, and it was, she was awesome. She's a cute girl, but I'll never forget, I went on a date with her, and, and so a friend hooked us up, and I thought, man, this girl's cute. Like, yeah, that's great. I, you know, I, it's, it'd be great. I would just go out and have fun, and I'll never forget the first day that we, we, we first date we went on, and we, we were at the end of this driveway, and, um, you know, she kind of leaned in for a kiss. I didn't kiss her. And, and so I was like, no, I didn't kiss her. I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, don't date this girl. Like, as clear as day. Like, I've never had that happen, but I was standing there, and so I didn't kiss her. I'm like, cool, whatever. I go home. And then I thought, I'm not going to date her, but, but let's hang out. Two years later, I almost married her. Like, I, like the, the next step would have been engagement and all. And, and I remember this. In those two years, I was in a fog. Like, I just remember God just didn't seem so clear to me. Like, it just didn't, like, I couldn't really hear him. And I thought, well, when we broke up, because I, I read a book called by Joshua Harris, which is a, it's a sad day that he kind of renounced his faith in the whole book. But his book changed me. It's like, I'm not going to date till I get married. And so I broke up with Natalie, and I said, God, I'm dating you. And it wasn't long after that, five, six months, Phyllis and I reconnected. We ended up getting married. And I know that God spoke to me. And when I obeyed him, the world opened back up. So some of you are not hearing from God because you hadn't done the last thing that God spoke to you. Your job or whatever it is that God is speaking in your life. Maybe it's even in this pledge to the, to the building. God, what do I give? What do I do? But, but God told you to start tithing. And so it goes back to the whole thing I just said earlier. It's like, I don't get the cart before. What's the, what's the last thing God spoke to you? And when you do it, I promise you, he's going to speak again because you were faithful with his word. And John 10, 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You say, I can't hear from God. No, you can. If you're a believer, the power of God is on the inside of you. You have the ability to hear the voice of God for yourself. Just like Abraham. And so what we see is once he heard the voice of God, now he had a choice. Am I going to obey? Look, obedience always requires faith. And so when God speaks to us, he's going to stretch you out of your comfort zone. It's always uncomfortable to live for God because you don't know what's going to happen. But I've realized I'm responsible for the output, not the outcome. I'm responsible for what I do. God's responsible for the results. It's like standing up before you, talking about this moving forward. It's not my job to bring in the money. It's God's. It's God's job to speak to your heart. You're never going to have me stand up here and say, well, I need, I need if I just had 400 people give $1,000. No, no, no. No, no. God's speaking to you. Like whatever the Lord says, do it. And if we all come together having done what God said to do, we're going to take possession of that property. That's how we have built this church. That's how come you feel comfortable with me talking to you about money and finances. Because I'm just a firm believer. You, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. God talks more about money than any other topic in the world. Why? Because it impacts our life unlike anything else that we deal with. But you got to trust God. It requires faith. So think about Abraham. Here he has Isaac who's of the age to start dating and courting someone to begin to bear children and to have offspring to produce for what the word of God told him, which was that Abraham would be a father of many nations. 
And now it seems like God is taking back the very promise God gave to him. God, are you an Indian giver? Right? God, did you give me a promise and now you're just not going to fulfill this? I mean, think about Abraham could have argued with God. In that transition from what God said, the, the next thing is early in the morning. What does that tell me? That is, that is immediate obedience. Some of you, God speaks and you let a little time pass. Listen, the worst thing you could do is delay God, the obedience. My mom used to always tell me, and some of you old school know this, delayed obedience is disobedience. I'm like, Mama, what, in the, what does that even mean, Mama? <laughs> you know, she's like, well, if you didn't do it right when I said it, it's disobedience. Well, that's the same thing with God. And sometimes we just need to do it because otherwise you will talk yourself out of doing what God. He could have argued with God. That's my son. That's the promise. That's the blessing. He could have argued with God. Look, you're irrational. This seems to go against your plan. You don't, you, you don't even want to sacrificing kids to gods like the other pagan gods. God, I don't understand, but I know this. God, you're faithful. And that's what Abraham said because he got up early in the morning and obeyed. Look in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 19. This is found in the New Testament, if you're new to Christianity. And so he, the, the writer of Hebrews is actually tagging on what happened historically in the book of Genesis. Look at what it says. It was by faith. Everybody say faith. That Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. So God told him, that's the son that your descendants will be counted from. In other words, that is the promise. But look what it says. Abraham, this is what we get. Reason that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. He reasoned. I think Abraham knew this was a test. See, Abraham had such a relationship with God, he knew that God would never go against his promises, so he understood this is just a test, and he knew that God was going to step in in one of two ways. Either God is going to provide a sacrifice for us to where we don't have to see Isaac die, or my God is so big, God's going to raise him back from the dead. And so what we know is that we know that he had the proper view of God, which determined his obedience. And for us, we've got to have the right view of God. Whatever your view of God is, that will determine your level of obedience. If you see God as a big God, you're going to take big risk. And I, I think one of the things God's been speaking to me, it's written on my office in my board uh, in, in my, at the Dream Center, and it says, don't make God look small. And then the other one says, risk big, go big. He's a big God. Like, like, I think some of us are letting God look small in your life, and it's because the view you have of God. But if I got a big view of God, I'm going to take big risk. And, and it seems a little risky to do what you feel like God is saying. But think about this. The flip is true as well. If you have a small view of God, you'll never take a risk. It's like, God, well, you're kind of little. Like, I, I know, but, 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 but I just, I don't know that you're a big God. I need you to know God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 8 tells us 
But we have to get the correct view of God. And that's what the 21 days of prayer and fasting have all been about. It's about, God, I'm going to have the right view. You're a big God, and I need to magnify you. I need to read your word. I need to uncover who you really are so that you can really show up in a big way in my life. The strength of what you believe is measured by what you're willing to sacrifice. And think about Abraham. He was willing to sacrifice the very thing that meant more to him than land, than wealth, than anything. And he was willing to lay it on the altar with God and say, God, I trust you. God, I believe you. God, you've never let me down. You'll never fail me. And I choose to take a step of faith and do what seems a little risky. We've got a big God. And I think some of us are, are making him look small. Look at Jeremiah 32, 17. It says, Oh, Lord God, it is you who have, who have made the heavens and you made the earth with your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Everybody say nothing. Nothing, nothing is nothing. I think about that. We, my kids and I and Phyllis, we get up and we do a family devotional. Uh, I think it's called Indescribable by Louis Giglio. Uh, and that was called Indescribable. It's pretty amazing because he, he's really a science buff in, in a lot of his writings. And so one of the days he was talking about the power of words and how God spoke. I don't know if you know this, but God spoke, let there be. And when he did, his words have never stopped creating. Like they, the scientists tell us that, that, that the galaxies never end, that they are constantly finding new galaxies and new stars further beyond what we can even measure. And the truth is because when God speaks, nothing stops it. It never stops. It keeps producing because God is so big, that's what his words do. And if you think about, my God, he's the God of the universe, and yet somehow I allow him or refuse to allow him to be the God of my life. I put him in this little box. I put him in this little, oh, well, you can't box in God. No, no, God's going to do whatever he wants, but you can box him in in what he does for you. Like, God's not going to override your will. He's not going to override your life. If you want to live in a pitiful state or, you know, powerless state, that's up to you. Because his same power that raised, I love what Jolea said, raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. Inside of you. And if some of you would get a revelation of this, when God doesn't make sense, you'd say, God, you may not make sense in the natural, but I don't care. I know you're a big God. And if you got to resurrect some dead areas in my life, so be it. But I'm going to let you resurrect them in my life. We serve a big God. A big God. Look at Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. I mean, think about immeasurably more. You can't even measure more of what you thought or what you imagined. Mean, I got a pretty good imagination. He said, no, no, you can't even imagine what God has and what he can do in your life. But, but look, it's all predicated on this. Look at this. According to his power that is at work in you. So it's in you. Like... That's why it's so important to release the power of God on the inside. Like, God, it's, it's according to the power of God that's working on the inside of me. That, God, I happen to be the one that limits your power in my life. And here's the, here's the last thing that, that, that I think is very interesting that I want to point out this morning. Abraham didn't take his servants with him on the mountain. 
Isn't it interesting when you read the story? See, see, you need to know everyone's not supposed to go on your spiritual journey. I find it so interesting because it was just him and Isaac. You know, he, he didn't have to build the altar. He brought servants. They could have built the altar. They could have put the fire. They could have done all the things. I mean, it was a lot of work to carry it up that mountain, you know, him and his son. And Abraham's not a spring chicken. That's a, I mean, his son's up there. Too, but he just it's just Abraham and Isaac. They're the ones walking up the mountain to do the will of God in, in what he has spoken. And, and look at what we see in verse 5. It says, stay here with the donkey. Abraham told the servants, the boy and I will travel a little bit further. We will worship there. I need you to know your sacrifice is always worship to God. So when you give, even in the, the, this, this miracle offering, when you pledge, that's sacrifice, that's worship. When you break up with that boyfriend or that girlfriend, that's worship. When you obey God in your job, some of you are working a job that makes you work on Sundays, and God's already told you, listen, ask your boss to give you off, and you're afraid because they're going to fire you, and you needed the job, and God's like, I've asked you to ask. You're like, oh, God, help me. Like, talk to my boss. He's like, I need you to talk to your boss. What if they fired me? What if they fired you? That means God's got a better job for you. Like, you're allowing something to pull you out of church. Like, nothing should come in, in, in the way of Sundays. And I'm just telling you, that, you know, I, 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 I could tell you story after story. I mean, I remember a parent. I'll just tell you this. They fixed my youth. They're, they're messed up, skipping school on drugs. I was a youth pastor. And, 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 and I looked at the parent. I'm like, but you don't bring your child to youth. And you're asking me to fix them. Like, I didn't mess them up. Come on, somebody. Like, I would love to. But you know what? Oh, well, we ground him because he likes to come to youth. And so we just said, we're going to ground you from everything. I'm like, look, ground him from skating. Ground him from PlayStation. But could we please not ground him from the house of God? Like, like I don't want it to be a punishment. But my God, sit his butt in our city groups that even tonight, we have a city group tonight. And it's amazing. He launches this Super Bowl Sunday. Woo! They're going to be partying and having fun. But how can God speak to your child if you don't have them in the right place? I don't even know where that came from. Somebody needed that. So, so here, look, we see, he, we don't even know if he told his wife. Now, I'm not saying don't tell your wife. I tell Phyllis all big decisions. I don't think spouses ought to make big decisions that affect them both without the other knowing and being a part of it. I think God's big enough. He speaks to both. Like even with our miracle offering and our faith pledge, Phyllis and I said, she said, what are you thinking? I never tell her what I'm thinking. I said, you tell me what you're thinking. And then we always go with the highest number. Come on, somebody. So, so we're just like, okay. And so we came up. It makes us nervous. I got to be honest with you. If I'm candid, I'm a little nervous. But I just told God, that's all right. I, I can see you stretching me. I've been here before. This ain't my first rodeo. So, but look, he, he, didn't, he didn't even tell his servant. He didn't even tell his son. Like, he didn't say, hey, bro. And, and this is why. <laughs> you about to, like, I love you. It's about to go down. But I, but I thought about this. I wonder if it's because those people would have tried to talk him out of it. If you think about his son, I love my, my pops. But hey, pop, pop, yo, yo, God didn't tell me what he told you. Like, I don't think I'm going to lay down. Like, I love you. Like, can we have some confirmation? You know? But think about it. I mean, if his son would have said, Dad, Dad, but I'm the promise. Dad, but I, I thought you told me for 30 years that, that, that through me, you would bless you. I mean, can you imagine how hard that would have been for Abraham? And imagine the friends, the servants, they were young servants. They would have been Isaiah, Isaac's age. 
So they would have played with Isaac. They would have been friends with him. And so can you imagine, hey, Abraham, I know you're our master, but this, this, is our, this is the boy. we Like you've told us all of our lives he was the promise. Like we were one day going to serve him. Now you're going to kill him. Abraham, are you sure that this is what God said? Abraham had to protect the word of God. Some of you don't protect God's word because you go tell people that are not on your spiritual journey. And they were never intended to be on that journey. <clears throat> and they're, you're like, they're godly, good people. That's awesome, but God didn't speak to them. See, Abraham was the one that was going to have to be accountable to God, whether he obeyed or not. Not the servant, not even Sarah. As far as we know, he didn't even tell her, which, again, I would tell your spouse, but, but not even the son. It's like Abraham knew that on judgment day, it's not me and my family or me and my spouse. It is me alone with God alone. Did you do what I asked you to do? Even when it was irrational, even when it didn't make sense. He had to say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to do what you've asked me. I, I even thought about, it, it's not even just with giving. A lot of times for me, it is giving. I'm a king. I was an entrepreneur before I started this church. I had a real estate investment company, seven properties. We owned a restaurant, 30 employees. That was by the time I was 24. And so I gave. A lot of times, God, that's my stretch is giving, and I feel like God moves me. But it's not always like that. Just the other day, Phyllis and I go to counseling. Every one of you need a good counselor, a good therapist. I'm just telling you, the world's messed up. I messed up. We all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. That's your permission. Go get a good therapist. Come on, somebody. They, we're with our counselor. We're doing this Imago therapy for four and a half years. Phyllis and I have been in counseling. We just If I'm healthy, you're going to be healthy. If we're healthy, this is going to work. If this don't work, this ain't going to work. And I was sitting there with the counselor, telling him, hey, I'm doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. And somehow, actually, Phyllis told him that I was fasting. Oh, I was drinking juice. I wouldn't have told him. But he said, how long are you going without food? This is a good man. It's supposed to be a Christian. And uh, she said, oh, it's 21 days, no food. He said, what? He said, listen, I want you to go to a doctor. And I want you to go get, like, you need to go get a and she's like, well, he's done that before. I've done, you know, fasts like that before. And it's actually biblical. And she actually told him there's a lot of Christians that actually fast because God speaks to us to fast. It's okay. We have to take wisdom, of course. But he was literally a good man trying to talk me out of what God spoke to me to do, which was 21 days of fasting. I mean, you just, you got to realize that even good Christians don't understand the sacrifice that God's asking you to do. They're not going to understand. Some of your family have tried to talk you out of serving here at this church. I don't understand why you get there at 545 and help load in and load out. And, and then, my God, you mean you stay till 3? Or why would you do that? Like, don't you need to spend time with your family? What about your kids? What about your wife? What about your this? What about that? If that's your only day off and you're going to go serve in that house, that just don't make sense. Well, my family serves with me. It gives us a common purpose. God spoke to us. This is my house, and it's my pleasure. Where else do we get to see marriages healed, families restored, people saved? Where else can we depopulate hell and populate heaven? It's my pleasure, right? I mean, I, I even thought about my financial advisor. He doesn't do it anymore, uh, but actually, he actually got on to me for giving so much. We, give, we don't just give 10%. We give offer. We've always done that. But you look at my life. My life is blessed. I mean, I don't make much more than many of you in here. It's like I'm not rich with that, but my God is rich. My daddy's rich. 
And I just learned, I remember we got the house 11, uh, nine years ago. I was on staff at another church making very little money. Got a house that we couldn't afford in the natural. And yet I ended up buying that house and paying less for a mortgage than I was paying rent on a house. And how does that happen? It's because my God is faithful. We serve a big God. And so he's like, well, you need to stop giving so much. I'm like, no, baby, that's exactly the opposite. And so I'm just telling you, you, you can't tell everybody. It ain't going on this journey with you. You're going to be responsible. We know Abraham. Listen, look at verse 15 through 18, and I'm closing with this. He says, by myself, on the basis of who I am, this is God speaking. Uh, I, I'm going to read the Amplified. Yes, good, they have that one. I have sworn an oath, declares the Lord, that, by, that since you have done this thing and not withheld from me your son, your only son of promise, indeed, I will greatly bless you. I will greatly multiply your descendants like the stars of the heaven, like the sand of the seashore, and the seed that you have will possess the gates of their enemies as conquerors. Through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have heard and obeyed my voice. <clears throat> Blessing is predicated on obedience. It's all about the obedience. Some of you have been asking God to bless your life. It's time to obey. This is your opportunity. Just whatever. I'm telling you, 2020, I believe it's a turnaround year for many of you. Whatever area. I think he's talking to you. I, honestly, and this is, it's inter- I think God spoke to everybody on what to give for moving forward. The question is, will you do it? I think God's talking to some of you about relationships. Some of you have been holding on to friends. And you're trying to save friends. You can't save friends. God does. And he's asking you to cut off those relationships. They keep pulling you down. Maybe it's the job. It's the Sunday thing. God, I, I'm just scared I'm going to lose my job. Or you're workaholic and you choose to work on Sundays. I mean, you just got to figure it out. Maybe it's to go to next steps, which is our process to help you uncover your purpose. You've been waiting. You're like, God, I just feel like I need some purpose. He's like, I told you to go to next steps. And listen, I, I want to qualify that too. God has never spoken to me audibly. I've never heard the audible voice of God. There's usually a still, small voice in my heart. It's like, hey, it's a nudging. Anybody ever felt nudged by the Holy Spirit? It's like he just kind of nudges me. I promise you the devil's not going to tell you to cut off those relationships. The devil's not going to tell you to go to next steps or serve or give. You've got you to recognize that's the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of you. And then you just say, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to move forward. 2020 is my year to move forward. In him. So what's God speaking to you?